0: Hello, welcome back to another episode of Crime Spree.
1: Hi guys. I'm Hannah.
0: And I'm Cheryl. And thanks for tuning back in.
1: Yeah, thanks for sticking around guys. I know it's been a wild ride so far. Yeah. Uh, how was your week? What have you been watching, reading, doing?
2: Um,
0: okay, so watching, I'm finally watching Catherine the Great. Um, but I'm starting it from the beginning because I've never seen it before, so I will probably finish the first season tomorrow. It's really good. I was surprised at how much I liked it.
1: Mm, What's it on?
0: It's on Hulu, and it's a historical dramatization, which is, like, I love that, and it's super funny. It's very comedic. um, It has really great one-liners. It's really foul, so I would just give a give a uh, a trigger warning on that one if you're not one that's a fan of strong language i don't think i've heard the c word that many times Ooh, i don't like the c
1: word i can't 40
0: minutes setting and they'll just say it like so casually and it's like oh my god but it, it is like super funny and now i was like reading yesterday i was like i gotta know what's gonna happen and then all of a sudden it dawned on me like this is an historical event
1: like,
2: like you I know what's happening
0: to see what happen. And it's not like totally historically accurate but yeah, it's still really good. Oh, nice.
1: I yeah, what uh about you? I have been watching Pam and Tommy on Hulu. <gasps>
2: yes, I've is it good?
1: Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. So, I am I think I'm on like the second or third episode. I got to say the casting is great. Like uh Yeah,
0: I was looking at the cast photos and just the way Lily James and is it Sebastian stand yeah well they, he was look, carter basin like, in
1: gossip girl
0: i know that's every time he's in anything i'm like carter basin like <laughs> this guy's a this guy's a slump like what is he doing in everything It's. i think he's in some superhero movie or something oh
1: yeah wasn't he in like one of the marvel movies i think
0: probably i say some superhero movie it's I probably like the most important avengers movie there is out there and i just don't care my Rob's probably, like, screaming at me from the gym miles uh, yeah.
1: away right now. My, my sisters are super into it. I, honestly, I don't think I've ever seen a superhero movie outside of the original Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst.
0: <laughs> I have seen some of them, but I see them, like, sporadically. Like, I don't follow them. So, I actually saw Thor 2, but I've never seen the first one.
2: I didn't even like, know there was the a second one. one.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I don't think I've seen any of the Captain Americas except for the one Captain America that was kind of just a total Avengers movie, but they called it Captain America. Um, I've seen the first Iron Man. I haven't seen any of, like, I haven't seen Black Widow. I haven't seen, I did see Doctor Strange. I haven't seen any of the Spider-Mans with Tom Holland which is weird because I do love Tom Holland as a Spider-Man. I've seen clips of it, and I no. think he's much better than Tobey Maguire. And Andrew
1: no, Garland, but... no, Tobey Maguire is the best. I won't hear anything different.
0: You want to know something? What? I hate Tobey Maguire.
1: What? Are you serious? Why? I think he
0: looks like a thumb.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> That's not fair. You can't just like somebody because of the way they
0: look. Sure, I can. Why not?
1: That's so mean.
0: I mean, I'm sure he's like per- a perfectly nice person. Like nothing against him, but like I just, I I didn't really like the Spider Man movies with him in it.
1: What? I'm sorry. Everybody's entitled to their wrong opinion.
0: <laughs> I know. And Rob can like quote them. Like if you have it on in the other room, and he'll like catch. Like, if you play a scene and then mute it, he'll just, like, tell you what's going to happen for the next five minutes.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, I've literally only seen the original Spider-Man. The only true Spider-Man to me. Well, that's a lie. I saw saw Enter the Spider-Verse. The, like, animated one. I saw it in theaters. Oh, yeah, I
0: haven't
1: seen that. It was actually kind of good. I, like... I... It was... It was more of, like, a... I don't know how to describe it. It was definitely, like... The soundtrack was great. Um, it was I heard like that, real New York, like underground was kind of. Nice. I don't know. I thought the animation was cool. I saw it with like an ex-boyfriend a long ass time ago.
0: <laughs> Rob played some Spider-Man game on like a video game, mm-hmm. and when he came to visit me in New York, I took him down to. I guess it's like the financial district or maybe it was seaport or something, but he's like started running around. He's like, Cheryl, this is in my Spider-Man game. And he was like, showing me all the different locations And he was like, no, no, no. If you just go like two blocks this way, there'll be this building and like all this stuff. And he's like, this is the building that I sit on top of so I can look around. On, out in the oh my water. God.
1: That's so cute. He's Cause Spider-Man's, Spider-Man's from, from Queens, York Spider-Man's from Queens, right? I think so. I think, yeah, he's from Queens or Brooklyn. God, people who are listening to this right now I'm are like, sure are you
0: kidding Brooklyn. me? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's from Queens. And cuz I think Toby Maguire says that in one. He's like, "I'm just some geeky kid from Queens" or something like that.
1: And Batman is technically from like Manhattan, Gotham City or Well, he's from
0: He's from Gotham, which but is it's a New York. parody of New York, yeah, basically. Okay. We well, did it. We just watched all of the um Christopher Nolan Batman movies, and I really liked all of the I, I didn't really like the third one, but um the Joker one was freaking fantastic probably one of the best movies I think I've ever seen
1: everybody says that like Heath Ledger was the best
0: best performance of his life
1: but I've never seen it maybe that's what I'll do this (gasps) weekend oh my god I know i it also
0: has one of the best opening scenes of any movie
1: really don't spoil it okay I'm gonna watch it this weekend don't tell me anything
0: (laughs) okay you should I don't know if it's like literally the best but it's it's one of the best like it sticks out in my head that's how good it is huh
1: Okay. I'll have to, I'll add it to my. Where can you watch it? Is it on like Netflix or something? I have no idea. I got to look it up. <laughs> I
0: don't know. I have, we have like every I have streaming HBO cuz we we have um like I have Netflix and Hulu. And then my dad uses my Netflix and then I use his HBO and then Rob's parents use my Hulu and so we use their Disney Plus. And then I don't know where we get Amazon Prime from, but we just all have like a little huddle.
1: Oh yeah, my sisters and I do that. Different
0: streaming services.
1: My sisters and I do that. I pay for Netflix. One of them pays for Spotify. Another one pays for like Hulu. We just kind of all share everything. But I'm bad at like recommending TV shows and stuff because like I either won't watch things as they're coming out, like, I'll wait till, like, the whole thing is on there, and then by the time, Mm -hmm. like, the whole season is on there, whatever, I'm like, "Mm, I don't really want to do this right now.
0: (laughs) That's literally exactly what I said about Euphoria when it first came out.
1: I was going to say, that's the only show I watch while it's coming out.
0: (laughs) Okay, so I didn't watch it season one, and then I went to go start it in anticipation of season two, and I watched, like, the first half of the first episode, and I was like, this is going to take me back to, like, circa twenty eleven when I like binge watched Skins and thought I was like this like angsty grungy British teenager that spent all my time on like Tumblr and could pull off like ripped fishnets or something. I was like, this is oh not,
1: my god! Did you ever watch LP the UK version of that of Skins? Yeah, yeah,
0: it's the only version. What?
1: No, there was a the US merit? version too.
0: Yeah, but it only lasted for like three episodes before it got uh, shut I down.
1: I never watched like the whole thing. I just watched like the first episode. I gotta say, though, this second season of Euphoria, I just, I literally watched the newest episode, what did I, I think I watched it yesterday, it's fucked up, it's like very hard to watch.
0: Yeah, I've heard that, I'm on Euphoria TikTok, and a major spoiler that I just... I mean, I don't really know, I don't, well, I guess I don't know if it is a spoiler or not, but, like, a huge plot point just got, like, talked about on a video, and it was so controversial that I, like, stopped to watch it, because I really don't, normally I wouldn't have cared, I would just scroll past it, because it's like, I don't, I don't even know what they're talking about, but it had to do with Rue, which I think is Zendaya's character.
1: Yes, her character, so in the first season it was more like, oh, I'm cute, like, I'm just a party girl, not even really that, but, like. It wasn't as intense, like, the episode that I watched yesterday is her, like, having a nervous fucking breakdown and, like, freaking out on her mom, and, like, that whole model, she gets in her mom's face at one point, and she's like, I am the way I am because you're a fucking horrible mother, and, like, that's, like, it made me, I had to pause it and, like, take a minute, and, like, that never happens to me when I'm watching TV. Oh, my God. It's rough. It's a very difficult show to watch.
0: That sounds rough. See, I would watch that and I would turn, I would get like I don't want to say manic because I'm not I don't want to make light of what mania is but I feel like I would just go crazy.
1: It's hard. It's hard to watch especially if you if you know somebody who has like addiction issues, which I mean who am I us doesn't. It's like yeah, it's very very difficult to like comprehend. I, I will say if you're going to start the second season, like It's intense. Be prepared. Oh, my God. But, yeah, that's the only show I, like, watch when it comes out.
0: That sounds... Okay, I'm going to take a sip of my wine. That sounds very intense. (laughs) Um,
1: But I'm not really watching. I mean, I just... I feel like I rewatch... I find, like, one show that I really like, and then I'll rewatch it, like, 50 times.
0: Yeah, I would say that's true. I watch Gilmore Girls almost every year, or every other year. Um, I'm about to restart all of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, because the... I don't know if it's the last, but like the next season finally got a confirmed date. So I told Rob, we're going to, because he's never seen any of it. And so I told him he had to watch at least the first two. And if you didn't want to keep watching it, then that was fine. Mm-hmm. But that's like our rule is you have to watch the first two episodes. And if you don't like it, then that's, it's like, it's literally like the uh, millennial version of, you just have to take three bites. And if you don't like it, you don't ever have to eat it again.
1: No, I've heard it's a good, I haven't seen it either, but I've heard from a lot of different people that they really <gasps> liked it.
0: It's truly one of the it's best It's like shows. a and, I mean, I'll admit that I am biased because it's written by the same Amy Sherman Palladino who wrote Gilmore Girls, which is my favorite show. But it is just so good, and it is so funny. The chick that plays Miriam, like the main character, I can't remember her name, but she was in House of Cards. She's one of the most talented actresses. It's just so funny. It's so witty, and it's set in New York. So every time I watch it, I'm like, I want to move back to New York.
1: Yeah, that's how feel whenever I was. As watch. if I'm
0: like a rich Jewish Upper West Sider,
1: but
0: whatever. A girl can dream, you know? I'd
1: convert to be rich. <laughs> I would. I'm Polish from
0: like York real quick.
1: I'm at this fucking point. I can't live here anymore. I'll be Jewish. Somebody just pay my rent.
0: Oh, didn't you used to live on the Upper West Side?
1: I did. I actually went to, it's so funny because I went to an engagement party the other night. And it was right next door to my first apartment in New York. I lived on. Is that I lived the one on where 108.
0: You lived in a Closet with like six other
1: girls. Oh my god! That was when I lived on 108th. And then when I lived on 80th, I lived in like a basement bedroom that didn't have a door. It just had a curtain, and the room was so small. Like my bed, I literally would have to like climb over my bed to get to the other side of the room. And then I lived on 74th for like a month.
0: I actually, when I was trying to find a sublet um, before I moved into my apartment in Williamsburg, I found a sublet in, I think it was in Greenpoint. And I found it on Facebook and I was like, this is too good to be true. Because it was like $900. It was huge. Like my room was the size of an apartment and it had its own kitchenette. It was like in the basement. And I was like, this is too good to be true. And I went out there and it was like a super nice girl, like great apartment, great people. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me cause you had to walk downstairs to get to it. It was in a basement. There was no door to your room. <laughs> like you just walked downstairs and that was that there was no door, no curtain. So you could hear every conversation.
2: Yeah, no. And I still
0: like really contemplated taking that apartment cause it was so nice and it came fully furnished. Like she was leaving for some contract or whatever and it was only like $900 and it was right off the subway cause Greenpoint's like kind of a pain to get back and forth from. Um, but it was right off the subway, and I was like, i still seriously consider taking it.
1: For those of you who don't live in New York and are listening to this right now, like, yes, I know, this sounds absolutely ridiculous. Like, why would you pay $900 for a room without a door?
0: Literally, if you, okay.
1: But honestly, this that's is a deal like for you not new
0: Yorkers. This is my rule of thumb when people ask me how expensive it is to live in New York. If you can find an apartment, a room... Not a whole apartment. If you can find a room in an apartment for less than a thousand dollars, there's something wrong with that apartment. And it could just be that the apartment's old. And if you're willing to do that, yeah, that's it's,
1: fine. You gotta. Cause, there's a lot of shit you gotta put up with to live in New yeah. York.
0: It's too old. It's too small. It's too far from the subway. It's inconvenient. It's off of an inconvenient subway line. Like my apartment in Williamsburg was nine fifty, but it was tiny, and it was very very old.
1: I pay 1200 for my bedroom, and my apartment is so nice, but I live in the shadiest area. <laughs> oh, really? It, like, I literally cannot so, I walk mean, my dog I mean, you just have night. to
0: decide what you can work with. Yeah. Oh, really?
1: Yeah, it, like, freaks me out. Like, I literally have to walk her, like, if the sun is setting, like, I won't walk her more than, like, a block.
2: Because
1: I just get nervous. Like, if you literally go, like, one avenue over, it's, like, the projects. Like, it's scary.
0: (laughs) Oh. I felt like that was kind of how my apartment was um, in Crown Heights because it was just such a gentrified neighborhood and to the point that I almost didn't really want to move there and, like, support gentrification of that neighborhood. Yeah, but gentrification is not about the
1: individual.
0: That, okay. And so that was, like, the internal conflict that I had with myself because I didn't want to, like, push people that had lived there for generations out, but also, like... We had looked at, like, 20, 30 apartments. We couldn't find any that were decent. It was just so, So we ended up moving in there. But um, that was another reason, because I felt like the people that actually lived in that neighborhood probably, like, absolutely hated this, like, young white girl, that millennial that very clearly was not born and raised in New York.
2: Yeah, but,
1: like, I'm not the reason your rent's going up, dude. Like, I can barely afford this shit, too.
0: Yeah, very true.
1: It's like how, like, I, I I, feel like I contribute to, like, equity in other ways. Like, I don't buy stuff on Amazon. Like, I try to support local when I buy groceries. Like, stuff like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But there's just some things you kind of have to do. I mean, I feel like, I'm sure you can hear the siren in the background right now. Like, I feel <laughs> like, especially if you're going to live in a big city, there's got to be a give and take.
2: Yeah.
1: Greatest city in the That's world. That's
0: how I feel. <laughs> Yeah.
1: But it is hard to live I feel here. like that,
0: sort of about where I live now, because I live in, like, the downtown historic district of Raleigh, and um, the houses here are, like, 600,000 minimum, and that's, like, cheap. They're, a lot of them are, like, a million dollars. And we rent an apartment that's in a house, and if you literally walk to the end of our block, you can. there's houses there that are also split into apartments, and you can tell that they're not as well- um, kept up as like these other houses and it's just like you can see like this neighborhood literally like people wouldn't walk here alone at night yeah 10 years ago and then because like hgtv became a thing and everybody was like oh i just want a house with some charm and some original hardwood That's floors like everybody bought upper. up these houses and then like all the housing prices just skyrocketed and literally like the house that we live in now a new landlord bought it and hiked up all of the rent in all the other units except for ours because we had a lease that he had to honor um and I'm sure we keep going
1: up that fucking sucks see that's the thing and like I don't make that much money like it's not like I'm like living here because I can't afford it like obviously I can afford it but like just fucking barely man (laughs)
0: like yeah I'm struggling too I'm out here every day fighting for my life like if I literally
1: if I could afford to live somewhere else I would (laughs) Oh, well. Oh, man. It's not going to be like this forever. I mean, I'm never going to have a million-dollar home, but...
0: It's true.
1: you got to live somewhere. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, definitely agree. All right, well, you want to talk about something else equally depressing?
1: Murder! (laughs) Murder! Do you want to go first? Uh, My story is sad, but not that sad. It's interesting.
0: Oh, mine's a bummer. Mine is... Mine's rough. Mine's a rough one.
1: All right, Uh, you go first, then... We can get that right, sad gonna, shit out of the way. I'm
0: just going to preemptively take a glass of this wine. If you at home are also enjoying a beverage. Are you drinking anything right now?
1: I'm just drinking water.
0: Oh, good for
1: you. I know. It's the... It is Thursday, I guess. Maybe our next episode, I'll have a beer. Okay.
0: Love <laughs> it. I love how you say because it, it is Thursday.
1: It is. Th- we're if, recording this on a Thursday.
0: As if we have to time it well. <laughs> um, okay. So, our theme this week is Lady Killers, um, and I decided to take a little bit of liberty with the theme, and I decided to do
1: the it's death It's our first theme. Of... First theme.
0: Yes, it is our first theme. I didn't think about that. All right, so officially, from here on out, we should, we should most likely have a theme every episode. <laughs> Maybe we'll throw a wild card in there, but... Um, all right, so this is the death of Conrad Roy with the help of Michelle Carter... Otherwise known as the texting suicide case. Do
1: you oh this one? no! <laughs> oh, it's a bad one. You know what? I actually don't know much about this case. I just know it's fucking sad.
0: Oh, it's horrible. It Ugh. it like haunts me. Um,
1: Let's do it, man. And, all
0: right. So I just want to take a second to sort of say that I know this is a true crime podcast, and we're going to talk a lot about murders and serial killers and rapists and just overall really horrible people um but it's the victims that really deserve the light in all of these cases and um sort of the byproduct of talking about true crime is you talk about the perpetrator of it like you can't if we were to do an episode of ted bundy like we can't title an episode with every victim of ted bundy's that there ever was like you just call it ted bundy and that's sort of the unfortunate byproduct of how this is um, so, like, with the case today, Michelle Carter should not be famous or notable for what she did. Like, Conrad Roy should have that, you know, quote-unquote spotlight. But, you know, it's just how the stories go, and that's how we have to tell it. So I just wanted to go ahead and say that and get that out of the way.
1: No, I mean, you're right. It does. It is very unfortunate that that's how these cases get remembered because, I mean, the victims don't deserve that. Like, I think it is Mm -hmm. important that we, like, say people's names, especially if, like, in the future we do serial killers to, like, sit here and have a moment and, like, try to list as Mm -hmm. many. I know there's a lot of Jane Doe's and John Doe's, but you're right, it is important to bring light to the real victims.
0: Yeah. Um, And I feel like in this particular case, that was extra important to say, and uh, we'll find out. So... Um, we're going to start with Conrad Roy III. He was born in Mataposit, I believe is how it's pronounced, Massachusetts, in 1995, which is the same year that I was born. So this case was happening, or as this case was happening, I was the same age as these people. And so I think that's another reason why it really stuck home to me, because it wasn't a story from, like, the 80s, or these, like, grown adults that had their own problems within their marriage, or, you know, whatever it is. Like, it was... Kids just like me, the same age as yeah. me, in the same generation as me. Oh, was terrifying.
2: Um.
0: Okay. So he was a good student. He graduated with a pretty high GPA, and he had been accepted into college upon graduation. But it seemed like he had decided not to go. Um, he liked baseball, and he worked at his family's marine salvage yard. And in 2012, he went on vacation with his family to Florida, and he met Michelle Carter, and they began dating. It turns out that they actually lived in the Boston suburbs, only about like an hour apart from each other. But they really rarely saw each other. Most of their develop their relationship developed over a text message or over text messages. Um, all right. So his parents got divorced in high school, and Conrad seemed to struggle a pretty good bit with that. Um, to the point, his parents had even taken notice, and he had gone to therapy. He was on a couple of different medications for depression and anxiety, and at one point, he was actually hospitalized due to an overdose. Oh,
2: God.
0: And I'm not sure. There were sort of conflicting reports on this, so I couldn't really tell. This may have been the same incident in October of 2012, so the same year that they met, when Conrad, allegedly upset about his parents' divorce, had attempted suicide, and Michelle had discouraged him at the time, at least according to her, and multiple times over the next couple of years that they dated. Okay. Um... All right, so on July 13th, 2014, so two years after they started dating, roughly, um, Conrad spent one last day with his family. During this day, he had been texting back and forth with Michelle about a plan to commit suicide, and eventually Conrad drove to a Kmart parking lot in Fairhaven, Massachusetts, and using a generator pump, committed self-inflicted carbon monoxide poisoning inside of his truck, (sighs) dying. Oh, God. After his death... (sighs) Isn't that just... It's horrible. It's a horrible way also, it's to not, go. Also, it's not a quick way either. Yeah, it's slow. It's. I would assume it's relatively painless, having never done it. But it's just horrible. And just sat there in hell of his sadness and his pain and thought about it. And, oh, my God, I just, I feel so bad. And especially at that time, I remember being 17 and thinking that the world around me was going to end. And now here I am almost 10 years later. And... I mean, things still friggin' suck, but there's also so much happiness that could be found, and it's so sad to, like,
2: yeah.
0: I remember being 17 thinking I was never going to be happy again, and if he, you know, oh, it's just so sad. So, all right, after his death, Michelle was the picture of a grieving girlfriend. She posted on social media frequently with things like, fly high, my angel. She tweeted, I Can't Believe Today already marks four months without you. I love and miss you always, Conrad. And she organized a softball tournament in Conrad's memory, raising money for mental health awareness. So she was really active um, in this cause and, you know, very present about this whole story.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: When Conrad was found, responding officers decided to take his phone to see what they could find to better understand why this young teenage boy would want to take his own life. And what they discovered were thousands of messages between Conrad and Michelle and many of them uh, included Michelle encouraging him to go through with the suicide.
1: I'm sorry, did you say thousands? Thousands. Are you? Oh, no. Oh, no, I don't like where this is going.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I've read many of them and you can find, oh, I didn't do. I'll, I'll do sources at the end. Um, but you can find... A, huge chunk of them online and I'll read a few here in just a minute but yeah it's rough
1: I've never Um, like I knew about the case but I didn't know like details I didn't know it was thousands of text messages that's fucked up oh no so after
0: filtering through all the messages, police eventually got a warrant from Michelle's phone as well. And on February 4th, 2015, so I think it's like seven months after he died, Michelle was indicted on charges of involuntary manslaughter. Um,
1: and how old is she? It's kind of, she's kind of I, like I'm 18 say at this time.
0: She's 17 or 18. Okay. Well, I, I don't actually know when her birthday is, but she is either 17 or 18. Okay. Um, so this was a really difficult case. Uh, to sort of argue in a court of law because she wasn't physically present when Conrad died. Like, she didn't kill him herself, um, but she didn't encourage him, and so it was odd because like, how does that hold up in a court of law? Um, Especially because, like, law was written however many years ago and social media and these ways of virtual communication, like, they're just now catching up to us and so the law has to catch up as well and so even if she has this level of fault in his death, is it legally a fault that she can be held legally responsible for?
1: I mean, that is hard. That's like saying, is the drug dealer who gave the drug addict drugs, like, are they responsible? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they didn't force them to do it. They just sold it to them. It's just another customer to that. I know that's a fucked up way to look at it, but like
0: the same could be said of the doctor that over well i guess a doctor takes like an oath and stuff but i mean from a moral standpoint if a doctor over prescribes a patient knowing that they don't actually need all of this medication or these painkillers like how responsible can they be
1: yeah i yeah i don't know like ultimately we do all make our like we have free will right but Teenagers are fucking stupid. Let's be realistic about this. Ugh, yeah. oh, okay.
0: So, in a CNN article, Daniel Medwed, a professor of law and criminal justice at Northeastern University, said, quote, Her behavior was so morally re- reprehensible, but I wasn't sure how, as a matter of law, it constituted as manslaughter. This case involves mainly words, but ultimately Roy decided to do the deed. So it didn't fit in with the classic pattern of manslaughter. So basically exactly what we just said. Like it's not a classic case. And is it going to be tried as one? And -hmm. what precedent do we want to set from here on out?
1: Because especially in like the age of social media, like I feel like this age group, because you and I are the same age. So like we Uh grew up in the time where like, we started off our lives without social media, but we also, like, grew with it as it became a thing. hmm Like, we were around when, like, Instagram was literally invented. This is not, like, a...
0: Before Instagram was invented. I, I had a MySpace.
1: Yeah. Like, I had an AIM, like, or MSN Messenger. Like, those were things that, like, they no longer exist. That, like, kids who were born later don't even understand. Like, my sister is 13 years old, and she's like, what's MSN? Like, it's it's weird because we're from the before and the after. So, like, how do you make laws for the future when you don't know what can happen? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So, during the trial, the prosecution argued that Michelle encouraged Conrad to kill himself through a series of text messages and phone calls. She had repeatedly told him that he would be happier after death, his depression what? would end, and that she would take care of his family for him. And what? she cited that his parents already knew about his depression and that they would be okay just knowing that he was no longer in pain.
1: What the fuck? What the fuck?
0: But eventually, she got pretty aggressive with statements such as oh, um, and I'm going to read you some text messages. Trigger
1: Please warning trigger guys warning. like skip forward. Yeah, major word.
0: So about a week before his death on July 7th he messaged her and said if you were in my position honestly what would you do? And she said I would get help that's just me though. When I have a serious problem like that my first instinct is to get help because I know I can't do it on my own. But later that day she said well there's more ways to make CO, carbon monoxide, um, Google ways to make it. And he said, OMG. She said, what? And he goes, a portable generator. That's it. (gasps) But then the next day, he seems less resolute. And she texts him and says, are you sure you don't want to do it tonight? Oh, my God. He says, what do you mean? Am I sure? She says, like, you are definitely sure you're not doing it tonight. He says, IDK, I'll let you know. She goes, Because I'll stay up with you if you want to do it tonight. He said, another day wouldn't hurt. And she said, you can't keep pushing it off, though. That's all you keep doing.
1: What the hell? So it sounds like he didn't even want to do that. Like, it sounds like he still had, I know he was, like, suffering from depression. But it sounds like he still had, like, a glimmer of hope.
0: Yeah. Um, Two days before his death, she texted him and asked, do you have the generator? He said, not yet, LOL. And she said, in all caps, well, when are you getting it?
1: Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! And this
0: one, there's one more. It's just sort of a standoff. I'm not quite sure when she said it, but she said, "Quote, you better not be bullshitting me and saying you're gonna do this and then purposely get caught."
1: What the fuck? She sounds fucking sedi- okay. I take what I said about teenagers back. Like the majority of them are fucking stupid, but she sounds evil.
0: Yeah. Um, so she aggressively encouraged him to the point that he even started to apologize to her because he kept kicking, she, she, he started apologizing to her because he kept chickening out, saying things like, um, I don't have this written down, but just knowing from my just research, like he would apologize to her for changing his mind, for stringing him along, for stringing her along, for making her worry. Um, and then she would just get like pretty aggressive about like, you have to do this. Like you keep saying that you're going to do it and then you're changing your mind. Or there was one where she was like, I feel like you're going to do it and then do it in a way so that you purposely get caught so that it's not, you're not going to go through with it.
1: Why does she care? Like, that's the part that I'm not understanding. Like, why do you want him to die?
0: And that's like hard because I think she is. Oh my God. Okay. Let me just continue. Um, because we could talk more about that. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, so the morning after his death, she completely played dumb. She texted his sister Cameron asking if she knew where Conrad was, telling her to stay positive. And after he was confirmed dead, she even said, quote, Hey, love, please talk to me if you need to. I want to do everything I can to help you and your family through this difficult time. And after learning that he was cremated, you know what she did? Oh, no. She asked to keep some of his ashes in memory of him. What? Yes, this guy that... Oh, my God. All right, so the prosecution... Yeah. The prosecution painted Michelle as a very needy person who craved attention. Before his death, she did a dry run, texting multiple friends that Conrad had gone missing, even though records showed that she was literally texting him simultaneously. So, she would text her friends and say, I don't know where Conrad is, he's not answering his phone, like, he's making me worried, and all of her friends would be like, oh my god, like, I bet he's okay, like, have you talked to him, like, tried doing this, and she would just be texting him at the same time about, like, regular day-to-day stuff.
1: She honestly, like, she sounds like she has mental health issues, too.
0: Yeah. So, they showed concern, like, texting her back, and she got the exact reaction that she wanted. So after his death but before Conrad was actually found, she texted her friends again playing dumb that she had no idea where he was. And she texted them saying that she was worried he hadn't messaged her, his family was looking for him, they didn't know where he was. And her phone records actually prove that she was texting her mother at the same time and made no mention of what was happening, like she only told her friends. So She's she like just texted her mom
1: like regular shit like
0: Yeah, just normal Can you take the chicken out of the freezer or whatever it was? And she just wanted this reaction from her friends. And the day after he was confirmed dead, she texted them and said, can we do something tonight to get my mind off of it?
2: So she reveled
0: in this attention that it got her. She even posted about the fun. So she made the softball fundraiser. She posted about it on social media and then she texted a friend saying, Hey, I put the homers for Conrad on Facebook. I'm, like, famous now. Ha-ha. Check it out.
1: What? What?
0: During the trial, Conrad's best friend, Tom Gamble, made a point to say that he thought it was strange that the Memorial Tournament was being held in Plainville, which is Michelle's town, but not Mataposit, which is Conrad's town.
2: Do you know how far apart they are?
0: 35 miles, about an hour. Okay. So... He texted Michelle to ask her why, and she said, it's my town, haha." Ha. So I guess she was just trying to be like, I don't know anybody in this other town, so I don't know how to organize it. I don't know who to get in contact with. I don't know events or venues or whatever. But then she clarified, you're not taking credit for my idea, are you? So she just wanted the attention and the credit. Uh. So during the trial, Michelle's defense argued that Conrad had a history of mental illness and multiple previous suicide attempts. He had every intention of killing himself, and he would have followed through with or without Michelle's involvement. And her defense attorney, Joseph Cataldo, stated, you're dealing with an individual who wanted to take his own life. He dragged Michelle Carter into this. (gasps) But it was her own statements that got her. Because during the trial, it was revealed that Michelle had actually been on the phone with Conrad when he died. Michelle confessed in a text message to a friend two months after Conrad's death. I could have stopped him. I was on the phone with him. He could have gotten out the car because it wasn't working. He got scared, and I fucking told him to get back in. I could have stopped him, but I fucking didn't. All I had to do was say, I love you. She didn't notify anybody, not his parents or the police, even after his death, to go find the body. She just waited for his body to be found so that she could begin... The actor part.
1: My jaw has been on the floor this whole fricking time.
0: So, if you noticed during that episode or during that text message, she said he got out of the car and she told him to get back in. Uh. And the presiding judge stated that that's proof that Conrad showed a pattern of choosing to live rather than follow through with the suicide, and that he literally sought fresh air. That's in quotes. He literally saw fresh sought saw fresh air. Holy shit. So, in 2017, Michelle Carter was found guilty, sentenced to two and a half years in prison, which was eventually reduced to five months and—15 months, sorry, and five years probation. And later, the judge said that it was the phone call during Conrad's death that convicted Michelle more so than the text messages leading up to it.
2: Oh, my God. She—
0: Ended up serving 11 months and 12 days and was released from prison on January 23rd, 2020. So almost a year ago today. Oh, two years ago today.
1: Wow. So like literally right before the pandemic began too. Yeah.
2: Wow.
0: After her release, Conrad's mother, Lynn Roy, said, quote, I will continue to honor my son every day, keeping his spirit in my memory, and to find ways to help others who may be experiencing what I have experienced. From the bottom of my heart, I want to thank everyone who has supported my family over the last five years, and now it is time to turn the page to a new chapter in our lives. And that is the story of Conrad Roy's death.
1: Oh my god. Oh my god, that was horrible.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's terrible, because, and this was like really hard, I, because kept debating whether or not i wanted to put this into the actual story but michelle very clearly also had a lot of her own mental health issues yeah and she had a pretty severe eating disorder she was in like some sort of therapy or counseling for depression and anxiety and it's just sad it's like i wonder i wish there was a way like i'm not saying like she clearly also needed help and now she is at the point it's sort of the story that we hear about like with serial killers like you had a horrible childhood you were beaten or abused and that's terrible up until you kill your first person in which case you are now solely responsible for your actions so it's like i wish somebody could have helped her but now she's partially or fully responsible for this kid's death and i kind of don't feel sorry for her anymore it's
1: also hard like i did i mean there's so many people who have like horrific childhoods who don't Grow up to be murderers. Yeah, I mean, exactly. That's why it's because, like, I I have a lot of empathy because clearly, like, you're right. She does have a lot of her own mental health issues, but I don't really have a lot of sympathy because he's dead.
0: Yeah, like I wish she could have gotten help up until she the point in which she crossed the line.
1: And clearly, the other thing is is like the human body is designed to survive. Like, if you're in a yeah. situation where, like, like your body naturally wants to live.
0: Yeah, like, you can't drown yourself unless you weigh yourself down. Yeah, like, that's why it's, like, so
1: hard it. to, like, stab yourself or, like, drown yourself. Like, your body yeah. physically stops you from doing it. And, like, it just goes... I mean, he got out of the car.
2: Mm-hmm. He,
1: like, I,
0: Oh, and it's God. exactly what the judge said. Like, he showed a, re- a re- repetitive pattern of changing his mind. So, maybe, like, he was suicidal. He was depressed. He was anxious. Like, he was truly struggling. But I think even he knew that death wasn't going to solve his problems. Oh, God. And his she just
1: family too.
0: bullied him into it.
1: She and did. that. I mean, that qualifies as bullying to me.
0: Yeah, exactly. I would agree.
1: Ugh. God, his so. poor family. I mean, and also, like, she just ruined the rest of her life. She's the same age as us, right? Like, 26. Yeah. I mean, I'm we're so young. Like, she's going to have to deal with this for literally ever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, she's just a kid. Uh, it's
0: terrible. Uh. So, if you want to read more about it, I got my sources from Wikipedia, uh, a bunch of CNN articles. They followed it pretty closely. There's an article on Elle.com, um... Boston 25 news that they actually have an article that has all of the text messages and you can go through and read them. I don't know if it's literally all of them, but it is tons of them. Um, so the ones that I read were just a few that really stuck out to me. Um, there's an HBO documentary called I love you now die the Commonwealth versus Michelle Carter. And there is a Hulu is coming out with a mini series with Elle fanning as Michelle Carter. Oh, that's good. Casting. And I don't, I don't know when that's premiering, but it's coming out soon. So if you just loved this horrible story, you can find out more that way.
1: Wow, I haven't watched the uh, the documentary on it. But damn, now I'm gonna Oh god, that was horrible. I hate it every second.
0: Oh of it. man, it was terrible. Oh my Do you wanna uh do you wanna tell me another terrible story to get my mind off of this?
1: Mine? I am doing the story of Eileen Moronos. Ooh. America's female serial killer. It's
0: just like... I can't think of another famous female serial killer.
1: Um, the thing about women killers... I mean, I'm sure there's more, but... It was actually kind of hard for me to find this story. The thing about women killers is it has a lot to do with mental health. I'm not, like, as I tell you Eileen's story, like, you'll also realize it has a lot to do with mental health. But unfortunately children always suffer in the majority of these stories, and those kind of bother um. me. Like, Andrea Yates, like, how she killed oh, all her kids. Yeah. And, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Diane Diane Downs, right? How she drove off the... Brit. Like, stuff like that, like, it is interesting to me, but it's also really sad. Like, because kids... Yeah. Kids and animal stories, like, really bother me.
0: Can I tell you something? I... Okay, so I... Finally started therapy again after a year-long hiatus, and I was telling her how terrified I am to become a parent because I was like, I'm so worried that I'm gonna like screw my children up. And she kept asking me like, Are you trying to have a child? Like, are you in the process of this? And I was like, No, I'm not anywhere close to having a kid. She's like, Why are you stressing about it? I was like, There's so much to stress about. What do you mean? Like, yeah. how are people not constantly stressed?
1: Also, about I don't the think idea the stress of ever up ends. A future kid? Do what? I don't think the stress, like, ever ends either. I think it's like, like, I'm literally 26 years old and my mom just texted me and was like, I haven't heard from you in two days. If you don't call me back, I'm calling the cops. I'm like, <laughs> oh like, my God. chill out, first of all, but like, I'm sure I'm gonna you be the You who could way.
0: never? Rick Newsome. I haven't talked to that man in probably two weeks and it'll be probably another week before I call him to be like, how do I fix this thing in my apartment? And then that's when he'll tell me.
1: Oh no, my mom is like, I think it's because my mom is like, the original true crime junkie, like, so she gets super freaked yeah. out. But also, side story, I almost got kidnapped as a little kid. <gasps> no, you didn't. Yeah.
0: Are you I don't know why I just thought it's so excited.
1: I guess because I didn't <laughs> hear it anyway, but. It's so exciting. I didn't get kidnapped. <laughs> like, Tell me
2: more. I can't wait to hear this.
1: So, I was like five or six years old, and I have like small a small memory of this happening. My mom tells a story and she like gets tear she gets teary eyed. Like she can't even handle it. So one day my mom had to go to the mall in my hometown to go return something at Lane Bryant and I came with her. My my sisters didn't come. It was just me and my mom and she was like talking to the sales lady and I guess I was like running around like under the racks and like you know when you're a little kid and you like hide oh, under yeah. the clothes and stuff like that. I guess I was doing that and the general manager of the Lane Bryant (laughs) at the Tucson Mall, I don't even know if it exists anymore, um, came up to my mom and was like, do you know that man? And my mom turned around and there was like some weird dude in the corner just like kind of watching me. And like Elaine Bryant is like a woman's store. Like, there's absolutely no reason for a man to be in there. I think I got
2: my first bra from there.
1: It's like, there's literally absolutely no reason for a man to be in there unless like he's sitting in the corner, like waiting for his wife or girlfriend to leave. Right. And he was like standing in the corner, like pretending to like look through a rack. And like, really, he was just watching me. And my mom, like, as soon as she turned and made eye contact with him, he like booked it out of the store and so the general manager like called mall security and they like walked us to our car that's like all I remember is like my mom like grabbing me and like the security guard like walking us to our car
0: did he ever talk to you or try to talk to you or anything
1: I don't remember I don't think so I think it was like a very quick thing and like the scary part about to, that
0: like, run off to the other side of the store probably so grab you.
1: and the scary thing about that is like there's like I'm from a border state so like if he would have gotten me over the border, like that'd have been it. Like there's it no work. yeah. You know, like they there's a there's a there's flyers in my hometown all the time. I'm sure it's in all the border states, like Texas, New Mexico and Arizona, about mm-hmm. how sex trafficking is like a real problem. Like people really do put those like zip ties on your windshields and shit like that, like Those are not made-up stories. Like, yeah, they go viral more often than they need to, because I'm sure it's just getting, like, resurfaced. But, like, it's a very real thing. Like, my hometown murder is about a little girl who got kidnapped. And, like, they Um, didn't find her for, like, years. Like,
0: That hurts my soul. Yeah. so scary. Yes.
1: I almost got kidnapped when I was six (laughs) years old.
0: People ask me all the time when I lived in New York, like, um... Is it scary? Like, do you feel safe? And I'm like, yes. You know why? Because there are so literally many millions of people around me 24-7. Like, yes. maybe if I walk down one street at night and there's nobody else there, I get kind of spooked for a second. But, like, in your small town, you're alone all the time.
1: And, like, there's no one there. Like, it's dark. You're, you're alone. Anymore. Like, yeah, that shit is scary. I definitely feel safer you can a go New anywhere. Do what?
0: And you can go anywhere.
1: Yeah, and, like, there's, even if you're, like, alone on the street, like, there's so many shops that have security cameras, like, the blocks are not that big, so there's, like, red light cameras, like, you are going to be found, I feel like, if you go missing in New York faster than you yeah. get found in your, like, small hometown.
0: Oh, yeah. I definitely
1: agree. Yeah, um, that yeah stuff that's stuff scary. Terrified. Well, I'm glad you're okay. was <laughs> like, 20 years ago. <laughs> Yeah, my mom like literally can't tell that story. She gets like so freaked out. That's why she calls me all the time, dude like, Where are you? <laughs> and that's funny, because
0: doesn't she have like seven kids she has to keep track of? Yes.
1: And then if one of us doesn't answer, <laughs> she calls the other one. You said and...
2: yes. <laughs>
1: because she's like, if she can't get a hold of one of us, she'll call literally all of us and be like, Where's your sister? I'm like, I don't fucking know, man. She's twenty six. She's doing mean, whatever sure she's I can't yeah. keep track of myself. She literally, Sorry. right before yeah. we started this episode, she called me and she's like, I haven't heard from you in two days. I'm like, I cannot talk to you right now. I'm not ignoring you. I'm just busy. Yeah. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I will call you later, dude. Chill out. That's funny. Yeah. We
0: always had a safe word when I was a kid that was like, um, cause like I got left home a lot as a kid and it was just like, don't answer the door, don't turn the oven on. And like, your brother will be home in 30 minutes. Like just chill and watch some cartoons and I mean looking back it was probably kind of sketchy but in that generation it was totally fine and people did it and it wasn't like a big deal at all but we did have a password so that if anybody ever came like if we were at the ball field and my dad was like watching my brother play football and I was like off running around with all the other little siblings and like just Mm -hmm. hanging out in the park um if anybody ever came up to me and was like, "My dad or your dad said to come get you," even if it was somebody that I knew, like another person's parent, I had to ask them what the password was, and if they didn't give it to me, I had to like run in the other direction.
1: That's actually very and, smart.
0: Yeah, I mean, luckily we never had to like use it, but it that's worked a out good idea well because for, like, parenting. Yeah, and it, because he was like, because it's not a stranger, or I mean, sometimes it is a stranger, but sometimes it is like. I mean, terrible people are normal everyday people. They're coaches and they're parents and they're school teachers and so they'll say, like, any you know, little Johnny's dad could have been like, Hey, your dad told me to come get you and then put me in the back of his sedan and taken off, never see me again.
1: Yeah, it's more often than not that like violence that gets committed against somebody is by somebody they know. Like rather like random crimes do happen, yes, but like more often than not it's like your co-worker, your friend, your dude you're hooking yeah. up with. Like, it's somebody you know. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's scary. All right. So, I picked Eileen because, so I had seen the movie Monster with Charlize Theron, who I think is phenomenal.
0: Mm-hmm. Great movie.
1: Um, and I had also listened to, I believe it was My Favorite Murderer, who did an episode on her and I think I would have listened to like a back episode. Um, she just really fascinates me because, <laughs> and then, oh, also every year for Christmas like I ask for a book about murder <laughs> and I think somebody got right. me like her biography. Oh, that's like funny. from this year or last year. It's, it's like called Dear Dawn. She had written letters, spoiler alert, when she was in prison to her friend Dawn <laughs> and Dawn had, compiled them all together and, like, made a book out of it. Um, And then I also got a lot of my information from Wikipedia. So, let's set the stage. She was born in 1956 in Rochester, Michigan. Eileen Carol Warnos had a very rough life from the beginning. Her mom, Diane, was 16 when she had Eileen, who was already her second child, uh, with her father, Leo. So her and her brother have the same dad. Um, but they Eileen has never met her father because he's been in prison the entire time she's been alive. So things were clearly not working out between Diane and Leo, and she filed for divorce two months before Eileen was born. So she actually, like, I think she was officially divorced or, like, almost divorced by the time Eileen was born. Leo was actually in jail uh, because of sex crimes against children. It doesn't really say... Like specifically what, and I didn't. That's
0: okay. We don't need the yeah, specifics. Yeah, like
1: I didn't try to dig that hard because I don't really want to know either. Um, but in prison, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, and he ended up committing suicide in 1969. So Eileen never met him. Um, and Diane, who was 16 Wait, with uh, two kids. How old,
0: when was Eileen born? In 1956. Oh
1: wow, this is much older than I thought it was. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. I mean, it like kind of all ends in the 90s. Anyway, we'll get there. Oh, okay. That's probably what I was thinking. So, or like the '80s. Sorry. Um, So, Eileen's mom, Diane, was not really coping well with having two kids at the age of sixteen. So when Eileen was, don't blame her. Yeah, for real. I think she also had like alcohol issues or like drug issues. Um, So when she was four, her mother basically like dropped her and her brother Keith off with their maternal grandparents who were also a shit show. So both grandparents were alcoholics and just, like, raging alcoholics. Like, they would beat the two of them, like, awful. So by age 11, Eileen was engaging in sexual activity at school in exchange for food, drugs, cigarettes, and she was also, I hate this as a trigger warning, she was also having sexual activities with her brother and being raped by her grandfather.
0: Oh. Oh horrible yeah
1: so she had especially
0: on the grandfather like the grandfather I mean it's all horrible but the grandfather especially knew better
1: yeah he, I guess he was like he would like beat her at the same time too like she just had an (sighs) awful awful childhood Uh,
0: so she probably didn't even understand
1: what the hell was happening to her sexuality
0: in general like sex to her was just like a terrible violent thing and a tool to get what it is that she wanted
1: yeah i mean because that's such a formative age like i'm yeah that's just and nobody's there to like teach you anything it's it's awful so when she was 14 she became pregnant by an acquaintance of her grandfather so i think he like might have actually been like pimping her out a little bit which is also really fucked up um she became pregnant she gave birth to a boy and immediately put him up for adoption. And her grandfather, okay. as soon as she like got released from the hospital, kicked her out of the house. Fourteen oh, years so, old. So,
0: <laughs> so because she got pregnant out of wedlock, that—that's
1: where he draws the line. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's where he draws the line. Not pimping out your own fourteen-year-old granddaughter. Just the fact yeah. that she got pregnant from something that you initiated.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: What a, I'm just gonna drink some more of this. I need. A,
1: tequila Yeah, <laughs> for real <laughs> so she lived in the woods near the house and she just started engaging in sex work to support herself because I mean 14 years old what the hell yeah so she moved to Colorado and this is kind of like where her like criminal activity not that it like hadn't started but it kind of like picked up a little bit and here's the thing, I'm going to call a lot of these smaller crimes, and I don't mean that they're not big deal crimes, because they are, like a DUI mm-hmm. is a perfect example. I just mean okay. smaller than murder. It's just murder. not murder. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't really know how else to describe it other than, well, it's not murder.
0: <laughs> please don't drink and drive, but if you have to choose between drinking and driving and murdering somebody, like, just go ahead please and Please drink
1: somebody. and drive over the murder. Here's your keys, go right ahead. So, she started committing these quote-unquote smaller crimes, such as getting a DUI, disorderly conduct, shooting into a moving vehicle. <laughs> like, uh, clearly oh these gosh. are not <laughs> small crimes, but this is just kind of where it started. So, when she was 18, she hitchhiked to Florida and she met 69-year-old Louis Gratz Fell, who was a Yacht Club president. So, he's got money and oh, nice. they you met you have, have some one day uh, yeah so they met and they got married very quickly um and they also got divorced really quickly so okay. they got divorced because he filed a restraining order against her because she beat him with his own cane <laughs> oh my gosh I don't know why I'm laughing. That's a terrible thing to do. It's horrible. And like, I just am imagining it happening and like, it's really fucked up and I don't mean to laugh. I hope he's okay. But I feel like she just had a lot of anger issues that she didn't really know how to express. And we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. But. Okay. Clearly. Not
0: excusing it,
1: just (laughs) explaining it. I think the whole affair lasted like a total of nine weeks, like from the second they met to the restraining order to the divorce. Like it was very, very quick. That's literally
0: from like, yeah. Wait, I mean, I'm it's strong. like, a, it's, but I think in school, I'm pretty sure that's like when the school year starts to like midterms. I'm pretty sure that's just a Yeah.
1: Year. It's half a semester.
0: It's, it's <laughs> not even a full, didn't even make it to Christmas break. Yeah. She's <laughs> tapped out around Halloween.
1: Things stay kind of horrible for her. So she returns to Michigan after this and immediately gets arrested for throwing a cue ball at a bartender's head oh my gosh um and she's just kind of like back to committing small small quote-unquote crimes um and then her brother dies and he leaves her ten thousand dollars in like cash like uh, whatever form of a will he had which she uses to buy a bunch of nice things that she didn't have including a car that she very quickly crashes right after (laughs) oh
0: my gosh what did her brother do do you know
1: I don't know. It didn't really have a lot of information on him. It just says that he died of cancer. Oh, he he died of cancer and she got the, like, payout from his life insurance. Oh, okay. But I don't think they were very close. Because, like, in everything that I've listened to or read, like, it doesn't really talk about him. Like, I think it was just kind of like they were the only family they had, you know?
0: Right. I was just wondering if he, like, you know, finished school or, like, found a job or...
1: I don't think so i think it was just kind of a bad thing you said
0: she got like the life insurance payout and not like he left her money in like his will
1: yeah like it's that's
0: what i was thinking like he had money and like left it to her
1: yeah he i think it was just she just got the payout Okay, but i mean if he i mean he might have been slightly organized if he had life insurance i mean i feel like that's a thought that you have to make
0: well, I don't know because I have life insurance through my company and I didn't do a single thing to get it. It's like an automatic part of me getting a job is like they, it's, my life insurance is through my company. Like I don't pay, I don't contribute to it. It's just an automatic, I have to designate a beneficiary and then if I die, they get money
1: from it. Oh, I didn't know. I, and I, I don't I have, have like do children or anything. Well, I always thought this is like the true crime connoisseur in me, it's like I always thought people only got life insurance if they like had a spouse or a kid. Like somebody So you that can they
0: buy ha- additional life insurance and you can actually buy life insurance on like your children. Yeah. Even though they don't have like jobs to support. Um but my company it's just like it's just part of my benefits package. Like I can go buy like a separate life insurance policy and have two so that if I die, like my beneficiary can get twice as much. But I mean, I don't. So oh, maybe that? if I had like if I had like property or like children to support after I died, I maybe would try to get more. But like,
1: but then you would just leave, just leave with a, a will. Of What's the difference between like life insurance and a will? Because
0: a will is money that you have. Oh, life insurance. So if you insur- leave somebody ten thousand dollars in your will, you have to have like ten thousand dollars in your bank.
1: Okay.
0: Whereas life insurance is like you just pay them twenty dollars a month or whatever. And, like, if you start your life insurance policy and you die within a year, they get $10,000. But if you don't die for 20 years, like, you're still paying that monthly premium every month.
2: Ah,
1: okay. Well, she gets $10,000 from his life insurance policy and she spends it all in two months. <laughs> so,
0: I mean, I honestly, I would have done the same thing.
1: Um, so, she's having a hard life, um, clearly. She actually tries to commit suicide once by shooting herself in the stomach. Um, And I think I read somewhere that she actually tried to commit suicide a couple more times after that, but it doesn't really go into, like, detail about it. But at the same time, she just kind of keeps committing, like, all these quote-unquote smaller crimes. Like, she gets arrested for theft, assault, sex work. Like, she just—I feel like she, like, was dealt a bad— hard in life and then just kind of was like well this is fucking it like you know which is sad so
2: yeah
1: real
0: quick do you live near a police precinct
1: no i just live in a scary <laughs> neighborhood <laughs> I know, i'm sorry about all these just just cyber no
0: it's, i don't care it's just
1: funny i don't i think there's like i live on broadway i don't want to say like exactly where i live i live on like a M- Broadway, which there's a Broadway in everybody's Broadway, town. Broadway,
0: which is, like, a huge... Broadway runs the entire island,
1: so, yeah. you, just, so you have like, to
0: walk a while to find her.
1: Yeah, but, like, I live, like, really close to the projects and also, like, on a main road, so... <laughs> oh, sorry about all the sirens. You know what? It's New York. This is your New York experience, list. <laughs> so, in 1986, she meets 24-year-old Tyria Moore. She's 30 at this time. They quickly move in together... They, like, instantly fall in love, which this is the part that interested me is, like, how quickly they were drawn to each other. Um, So they move in together, and Eileen starts supporting them through sex work. Um, And Maura was a a witness to a lot of her crimes, but she never actively, like, participated in them from what I could find. But, like, obviously in the eyes of the law, like, if you're an accomplice, like, you're still guilty. Um, And I wrote this down because I thought this quote was, like, this is horrible, but it's very romantic. Even before her execution, she claimed that she was in love with Tyria. Quote, a love beyond imaginable. Earthly words cannot describe how I feel about her.
0: Oh, that is kind of sweet. Like, I mean, also, like. Some, like, true crime freak out there is saying that as part of their, like, wedding vows right
1: now. Oh, my God. And their poor spouse is like, oh, my God, it's so romantic. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I just found this quote. It was in like some literature book I read in college. It just <laughs> made me think of you. That's
1: so it's
2: me. I'm gonna
0: literally say that to Rob tonight.
1: Oh my god! Don't tell him where it's from. I, just tell. Oh my god! I won't. I hear what he's gonna say.
0: He'll be like, "Are you writing poetry again? Like, what are you? Is this your sophomore year of college
1: again?" <laughs> oh my god! So <laughs> in a 12 month period, Eileen murders seven men. And at the end, she claims it was all self-defense as they were trying to rape her, beat her, and kill her. So mm-hmm. she had been supporting her in Tyria through sex work, um, and then she got the idea to, like, start robbing people, but obviously, like... Okay. That escalated quickly? Yes. So she killed all these men the same way, so I'm just going to quickly say their names. Um, Richard Charles yeah. Mallory, David Andrew Spears, Charles Edmund Karsgadden... Peter Abraham CMs, Troy Eugene Barres, Charles Richard Humphreys, and Walter Gino Antonio. So they were all found with two bullet wounds in their chests. Which, like, I understand that she claimed self-defense. And, like, that could very well be true. But two bullet wounds?
0: Yeah. I mean, well, okay. So... If it's not seven of them all in the same way, what I would probably, if it was one person, I would probably make the argument that it could have been, does it say where they were shot? Is it like two both in the head or something?
1: Uh, It just says they were all shot.
0: Okay. Because I was going to say, if you shoot them like in the shoulder, they could still maybe like walk or come towards you and then you would want to shoot him a second time, like a double tap. Like Oh, wait, there. I'm
1: sorry. Um, the last one was shot six times. <gasps>
0: okay. You know what? I'm just going to take that all back. <laughs> but maybe in future if we have another. That's rough.
1: Six times you can't really say. You can't really say yeah. self-defense, you know? Um, and yeah. all of their naked bodies were found either in their cars or like along a major like U.S. highway.
0: So she, did she keep, Okay. Did she strip them after she killed them, or were they already naked?
1: I think she stripped them. I mean, I'm sure they were, like, naked from the waist down, because, like...
0: Yeah.
1: But they were, like, found completely naked. So, like, the thing about self-defense, and I am no expert, is that... I feel like if you commit a crime in self-defense, you immediately go to the police and be like, this is what I did, this is why I did it. You know
2: what I
0: mean? I don't. Well, okay. So I don't know that I would if I were her. Assuming she did one, one murder. Again, seven. Kind of hard to argue. Yeah. But I would say if you murder somebody while you're performing sex work, and they try to attack you, and you murder them in self-defense. I don't know that I would go to the police because, particularly, we know police don't care much about sex workers. They certainly haven't been friendly to them and definitely not in, like, the 80s when this is happening or 70s or whatever. So she'd go to them and be like, I had to kill this guy. And they'd be like, well, you're a broke, poor, white, trash sex worker. Yeah. Why, would, why should we believe you at all? And this guy is a well-respected man of our society. Like, he he goes to church, you know? Like, that's exactly the story that's gonna get told. So, honestly, if I were her, I probably would have packed my stuff up and booked it and traveled to a border state.
1: Also, like, not to talk badly about her, but she looks fucking crazy. (laughs) Like, she's not, (laughs) like, supermodel gorgeous. I mean, to each their own. But if you look at her mugshot, like, she looks like you don't want to meet her in a dark alley. Like, she looks fucking scary. Yeah. I mean, I hate to, like, speak illy about people's appearances, but, like, we'll have to put this on Instagram, because in her mugshot photo, it's, like, and she's kind of, like, smiling a little bit in the mugshot photo. Like, she's kind of scary looking.
0: So. Yeah, she looks, like, spooked, because she doesn't really have eyebrows, so and her hair is like
1: crazy. Like it looks like it's never surprised. been brushed.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: she we'll put we'll we'll add her photo to Instagram so you guys can see. But she's definitely like not, not like a pretty blonde woman that like people usually talk about in like terms of murder.
0: Right.
1: So I feel like that also kind of. Unfortunately, right. I feel like that also kind of like. I mean, she did kill these men, but I definitely think that, that would
0: work against her. Yeah. If she genuinely had to act in self-defense that's gonna work against her because it's bad enough to be a woman, but you have to at least be an attractive woman. Yeah. And if you're not like, sorry,
1: you're out. Yeah. So her and more actually had stolen Peter Sam's car. Um, and on the 4th of July in 1990, they get in a hit and run accident and they abandon the car, but witnesses provided testimony that they saw the women and police found Eileen's fingerprints all over his car. Obviously, she had a rap sheet a mile long. So, of course, they had, like, her fingerprints.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Her and Tyria split up after this. And on January 9th, 1991, Eileen is actually, ironically, arrested at a bar called The Last Resort. Ooh. So.
0: That's, like, that's, okay. That's <laughs> a pretty obvious metaphor.
1: So. If I
0: read that in English class, I'd be like, this is. Two the
1: nose. <laughs> it's very thematic. Um, and then the next day, Moore is arrested in Scranton, Pennsylvania. So okay. when they arrested Moore, they told her that they would give her immunity in exchange for a testimony and a confession from Eileen. So they put her in a hotel okay. and she made numerous phone calls to Eileen under police guidance and she got it. But Eileen has always maintained self defense. So she originally went to trial for the murder of Richard Charles Mallory, but the Florida... So, Oh, so there's this rule in Florida called the Williams Rule, um, which basically allows the state to bring in evidence from other cases in order to get a conviction. So the evidence that they used, like they found Peterson's car, obviously he was murdered, the evidence that they used in that case is what got her a conviction for Richard Charles Mallory and subsequently all the other murders.
0: So they could be like, um...
1: Essentially they can use the same evidence over and over again.
0: Okay, so they could say like, well, you were convicted of murdering this guy and found guilty, and this guy you're accused of murdering, and he died in the exact same way, so you've gotta
1: be guilty yeah so like the
0: same DNA the same blood and the same gun residue or whatever
1: I guess the difference is like instead of it all being in one big case it's like they had to try her individually for like all seven murders I think okay but they can use like the same evidence in like all the trials you know what I mean it's like I guess that's like the way that I understood it you can email That's us if I'm wrong.
0: <laughs> I wonder if they still do that.
1: I'm sure they do. I have to look up more. That would actually be a good story to look up. Don't steal that. I'm calling it. But, um, so they also did like a mental competency, I don't know what the Exam? Yeah, test? Yeah, I was like... <laughs> A mental competency exam and she was diagnosed with BPD and antisocial personality disorder. Clearly she's found mentally unstable. So actually there was like an interesting, there's a psychopathy checklist and the cutoffs. So it's, it's up to 40. The cutoff is 30. So like if you score less than 30, like you're technically not quote unquote a psychopath. Um, Okay. She scored 32 out of 40. (laughs) So, like, clearly she's, there's something wrong. Like, I mean, she had a hard life, and I know that we talk about this, and, like, it's not an excuse for the crimes that you commit. But she, what I mean, she had a fucked up life. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the long and short of it. There's no way around it. But, I
0: mean, who among us has it?
1: That's why it's so hard. Like, that's where, like, justice has to come in. Michelle
0: Carter also dealt with a lot of mental illness. Yeah.
1: Like, mental illness is not an excuse for committing the crimes. It's just, mm-hmm. it's more of an explanation, I guess.
0: Right, yeah.
1: So, she gets sentenced to six death sentences. Dang. So, she clearly, uh, she, so the thing about being sentenced to death, when you get sentenced to death, or any capital punishment, you are automatically put in an appeals process. And she immediately, like, dismissed all her legal counsel. She terminated all appeals stating she, quote, unquote, I did it and I'd do it again. <laughs> like, oh my God. she, like, the whole time was claiming self-defense, but then, like, as soon as she got sentenced, she was like, yep, all me. So when
0: she's, like, found guilty, she's like, I'm just, I'm done with the mask. Yeah. This is who I am.
1: There was actually, is, like... Yeah she did an interview with a filmmaker and she told him like she just couldn't stand on being on death row like she just wanted to die like she didn't want to be there because some people are on death row for like a long fucking time so she yeah
0: which i mean isn't always the worst thing Um, it's because the appeals
1: process is so long
0: yeah which i mean if you're sentenced to like death i feel like you should be allowed to have a couple appeals, particularly if you're saying that, like, you're not guilty. Yeah. Because I would rather a, I would rather a fully guilty person sit on death row for 30 years than an innocent person actually be executed.
1: Yeah, but then how do you pay for that life that they've lost? Which is a whole other conversation. We don't even have to get into that. But, like...
0: Yeah. It, y- but at least they have the opportunity to appeal and get out.
1: Yeah. That's why when you get convicted of capital punishment, like, you automatically get an appeals process because, like, that is such a severe punishment. Is that
0: everywhere or is that just in Florida?
1: That is a federal thing. So, like, any time – because, obviously, not every state has the death penalty, but, like, as soon as you get convicted of the death penalty, like, you automatically get put through an appeals process. And I think it actually might be more than one, if I'm not mistaken. I just know the first one, like, automatically kicks in. I'm just
0: always scared that we're going to like DNA evidence wasn't always around and I always always think about people who before DNA evidence existed were maybe found guilty and and executed but they really were innocent. They just didn't have the ability to prove it. Yeah. And like what what's the next DNA evidence going to be?
1: I don't know because now they're doing uh, like all the it. But the interesting thing about that, I was actually listening to an episode about the Claremont Killer, about how they're using genealogical DNA, which I think is Mm -hmm. fascinating. Like that's how they found the Golden State Killer too. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that's like the next. I mean, that's been around for what ten years now, and they're just now finding these like notorious serial killers. That stuff is fascinating. I'm very excited to see. Because also, like, you're right. Like, it doesn't happen as often anymore, but there are still people who are wrongfully in prison for crimes they didn't commit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't just mean, like, murder. I mean, like, people are in prison for, like, theft, rape, like, all kinds of shit. And they didn't do yeah. it. Yeah. So, anyway. that <laughs> We can talk. I could talk for hours about that.
0: So, she dismissed... She- Dismiss she dismissed all of her legal counsel and was like nah I did that yeah. like I'm good
1: well so the interesting thing is is she always claims self-defense like she she says that she does it she's like I absolutely killed those men but she maintains self-defense the entire time like she never one stops and is like no I just killed them for fun like she totally is like it is self-defense I'd kill them and I'd do it again
0: I wonder if it got to a point where maybe they um which, I mean, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but I'm, I'm curious as to if, like, they solicited her as a sex worker, but then they did try to, like, attack her or get rough with her or something, and she just got fed up and was like, I'm not going through with this. Like, I wonder if she had been attacked previously, and so then she killed him, and she's saying, like, N- like next guy that tries to take more than what I'm willing to give, like, I'm just going to kill them.
1: No sympathy. I feel... Or maybe I'm just being
0: too generous to
1: her. I don't know. I feel like... Seven men in a row, though. Yeah. Like, I could understand yeah. if it was, like, okay. one or two. Yeah. But, like, seven in a row? Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that it couldn't happen, because it very well could have, but, like... It just is not very plausible, I guess. hmm And I also think, like, I, she clearly suffered, like a lot in her life. I'm sure she had, like, a severe hatred towards men. Like, as anyone would. I mean, given those circumstances. I just feel like she was just ready to die. Like, she was just fucking over it. So, she gets incarcerated at the Florida Department of Corrections, um, Broward Correctional Institution, which is where they house death row, uh, female inmates. And... Mm -hmm. She says the whole time, which I don't know how true this is, but she says in 2002 that like, people are like, not really torturing her, but kind of like, bullying her in prison. Like, they're like, peeing in her food, like, spitting on her bed, which I don't know how true it is. She writes right. these let because like, clearly like, she has BPD, so she might have been making this up, but like, also, prison is a very fucked up place. Like, I... Yeah, I don't know. So she writes all these letters to her childhood friend Dawn, which is where the book Dear Dawn comes from. Um, so finally, in October 9th 2002, it's the day of her execution, uh, she declines her last meal, which can be anything under $20, and just opts for a cup of black coffee instead, which I didn't know death row was or uh your last meal was like only twenty dollars like I thought it could be
2: literally whatever I didn't know that
0: either I do know that the that Texas disbanded the last meal thing because um I don't remember when it was but like 10 years ago some guy ordered like hundreds of dollars worth of food like he got like three different pies and lobster and like all this stuff and then didn't eat a single bite of it
1: (laughs) his last fuck you to them
0: but then I'm thinking like all right listen yeah, but so Texas gets rid of it. But what I'm thinking is, like, okay, so y'all spent, like, what, $300 on this guy's last meal, and then did not. And so now you are you just decided to take it away from everybody. Like, you spent how much money housing this man on death row for how long? Also, like, like
1: prisons him are him fucking money. privatized. Like, you guys are making money regardless. You can't spend $300 yeah. on somebody's last meal. It's not like they're ordering. Give that man some lobster.
0: It's up to yeah, him. Yeah. Like like I mean, he's about to die. Yeah. If you don't want to eat his lobster. Don't
1: make him. It's hard because, like, this
2: is—I
1: hate that I'm going to admit this. I'm a very, very liberal person. The most right-wing, probably the only right-wing thing about me is that I believe in the death penalty. But I also think that they should still be treated humanely. Like they are still human beings at well, the end yeah, of the day. Yeah, they're humans. Yes. Even if they did, they don't have commit. to be treated
0: well. They just have to be treated
1: like yes like they did commit horrific crimes obviously like I don't think people are put on death row just for fun but yeah. they are still human beings
0: do you want to hear my most extreme opinion oh, God. sort of along those lines <laughs> so I think that if you were ever committed for any sort of like sexual crime against a child you remember when we used to have like public hangings and it was like a thing that the whole town went to
1: yes I, whatever you're going to say, we should, I agree with it already.
0: <laughs> I think we should publicly castrate sex offenders against children. And then if they get caught a second time, we should just kill them. No questions asked. I
1: believe that too. I think, I think sex crimes against kids are like the most fucked up.
0: Yeah. If I ever ran for like president, that would be the exact, plus. like I would run for president so that we could just get rid of, because you know what? Like, i i go back and forth on the death penalty all the time like there's so many good arguments on either side and i just truly have a hard time pinpointing it but sex crimes against children i'll give you one shot you'll have the worst time of your life
2: it's Second just time, hard because... it's
0: just you know what if you do it tw- if you're accused twice you probably did it so okay,
1: you know. it just it's hard because i feel like Obviously, people who commit very violent crimes, like, don't just commit them for fun. Like, it's not like you wake up one day and you're like, I wonder what it'd be like to murder seven people. Like... Okay, but some people do. Some people have always... It's because there's something legitimately wrong with them.
2: Right. Like,
1: a normal functioning human being does not wake up with these thoughts and then go out and commit it. Like, I'm sure we have all experienced a rage, like, I... I guess I can, like, empathize with people who, like... Like, women... Sorry, but, like, women who kill their husbands. Like, I live with a boy. He pisses me the fuck off sometimes. And, like, we're clearly not dating, like... I just, Right. But, I mean, I obviously would never, like, do anything to harm him. Like, I can empathize with why people do, but it doesn't make it okay.
0: Yeah.
1: It's just... I and I would almost
0: argue... I would almost argue that the people who want to know what it's like, they're the most dangerous and they're the ones that should be killed.
1: And, like, people who, like, like they have mental health issues.
0: Yeah, but that's almost the people that I would argue need like, should be sentenced to the death penalty because, well, I mean, okay, I'm not a mental health professional, so I'm going to walk that back just a second because maybe there is some sort of reform, but if you, I mean, like, Eileen has said herself, like, you let me out, I'm going to do it again. And, like, I think, because at some point you do become so much more of a threat to other people that, basically, if you write off this person's death sentence, you're basically creating somebody else's. It's just a ticking time bomb.
1: Yeah, like, that's why it's hard, because, like, I do, I do support the death penalty, but I am grateful that we have a very lengthy appeals process. Like, I'm glad that, like, people were... Get sentenced to death row, like, have a chance to, like, not necessarily, like, reform themselves, but kind of, like, get right with God. Like,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. you know, like, I mean, I don't know. It it is a thing to debate about. It's very. I got to finish this. This episode is going to be, like, three hours long. (laughs) I know. So she has her cup of coffee. She's executed by lethal injection and she dies at 9.47 a.m. October 9, 2002. She is the second woman in Florida and the 10th in the United States to be executed since the 1976 Supreme Court reversal of how they restored capital punishment. And I thought this was very interesting because okay. I'm very interested in people's last words. Right. And okay. hers are, I would like to just say I'm sailing with the rock and I'll be back like Independence Day with Jesus June 6th, like the movie. Big mother ship and all. I'll be back. I'll be back. And that is the story of Eileen Moranos.
0: What drugs did they put in that lethal injection?
1: Uh, it's something that stops your heart. I think it's like potassium. That's actually a good question. No,
0: I just mean because she said that wild thing at like her last word. Uh, I think
1: she said it beforehand because I think it's like very quick.
0: Oh, well, duh, because then she would have been dead. But <laughs> either way, that's a odd.
1: Those a awesome very interesting stories.
0: Last word of choice.
1: Yeah. It's it's hard because I do think she was a danger to society and I think that she probably did need to be in prison or some sort of rehabilitation center. I think a lot of these problems could have been avoided. But also I think some people just are dealt that deck of cards in life.
0: hmm Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> Anytime I think about it, like, the argument for the death penalty, I just always think of Ted Bundy, because he like, repeatedly broke out of prison, he repeatedly committed the same crimes, he repeatedly killed people, and so it was just like he's, like, you tried locking him up, and he's he's found a way to, to charm his way out, or to break out, and so it was that's, like, one that I agree with, I guess, and yeah. so but it's hard to judge others, and who am I to say that Oh, it's so
1: tricky. It is, and that's why we're here to tell these stories.
0: So you can decide for it. You can leave us a comment, and you can tell us what it is that we need to think because we're tired of going on and on and on around
1: these. Yeah, if you wanna, if you wanna follow us on social media, we are Crime Spree Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. You should follow us on. Once we
0: figure out how to make TikToks.
1: Yeah, we're, we're a little late to the game, but we're coming. Uh, But we're going to post all kinds of cool shit, so you should definitely hit us up. Send us your suggestions, hate mail, whatever you want. We can argue about capital punishment if you'd like.
0: Yeah. Tell us your opinions and tell us how ours are wrong.
1: Yeah, correct us. I'm sure there was a whole bunch of false information. We're here for it. And we'll see you guys next week.
0: Yeah, we'll have another theme for you. And have a couple more Terrible, horrible stories to tell you.
1: I'll bring wine next time.
0: <laughs> I'll bring tequila. Oh god.
1: Thanks for Be listening, guys.
0: <laughs> yep. We'll see you next week.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.